You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Oh, last time we did this face to face. It's been a long time, and we're over my uh, my fire table. So yeah, the uh, I guess we're no longer at the Toronto studio uh, because I bought a car. <laughs> so you've actually come to the source of wine. I have come to the source of wine. Um, I had to come down in the area to uh, pick up some product for a farmer's market. I'm selling ADX wines and some Brockway wines at the Evergreen Brickworks Market in Toronto. And it's, um, I got to say, I have to tip my hat to a lot of the retail managers in Ontario because it is hard to predict how customers are going to behave on, on any given weekend. I would guess. So, uh, and then we're going back into a lockdown. So that's the, uh, the other problem we're, we're about to have. Oh yeah, I guess this is still technically above board because this is the the last day before the lockdown. Yeah, we're we're outside, but uh, yeah, you could, we'll be locked down, and we'd have to be actually. From what I understand, you're gonna have five people outside, so we could still do this uh, this outdoors. Yeah, and I think we should be. I think we're gonna. You, you know what? I think uh, the recent changes in my lifestyle are gonna make this podcast a lot better. So and 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 getting you down here because today we were like, well. There's there's some things we can talk about. We could talk about you know lockdown, which is pretty pretty damn depressing to a lot of people. Oh yeah. We could talk about uh, you know uh, wineries having to shut down again. Yeah, that's, that's hard. A little bit hard again. Um, but as I've said to a few people, better in April than in the middle of July. So um, I don't know if there is a better at this point though. Like I know restaurants and hospitality is hurting. Um, I know that there are a lot of uh, restaurant workers and sommeliers who listen to this podcast. I don't know are aching to get back to work and you know even being a year into this it's it's hard to pivot and find a new calling and, and do that when that's really just what you want to be doing you know yeah i i fully understand look i i have a feeling that uh, you know joe biden said that the in in the states they'll be having barbecues by july 4th right when you'll have your friends over are we going to be in that situation not a hundred percent sure, but uh, you know, from from the look of things, you know, I, I know vaccines I know, are coming, man. Like they really that, are here. That being said, um, I know we've talked a little bit about my my personal political leanings on this podcast, and at this point, I, I think I think it's safe to say we're witnessing a failure of government from top down. I don't think I've ever had a point in my life where I've been equally disappointed with the left, well, I guess the center and the right, because I think federally and provincially we're seeing some of the biggest breakdowns and, and mishandling of uh, the population that we're ever going to witness in our life at this point. Well, I think, I think we started off pretty good, but I'm and not really, really sure, you know, at some point, you know, you can't, I, I hate to say this, you can't keep doing a good job. Like, let's look at the States, you know, you know uh, the orange one did a really crappy job and Biden's doing a great job yep. as far as it looks like. So it just, it just doesn't feel like, um, our officials are looking outside outside of what's right in front of them in terms of looking for solutions on how to deal with this. I don't think they're looking at best practices that have taken place in other countries. And yes, I get it. You can't just port strategies from islands like New Zealand and Australia here. But it still just feels like, you know, there has to be some halfway point between Toronto and Texas, you know? Well, what I'm hoping is that this is the last, you know, true lockdown. And, and through the 28 days, a lot more people will find ba- vaccines in their arm and that we'll get back to some semblance of normal by, you know, if not May, then hopefully June. Like, that's my, that's been my hope the whole time. I, I was even more hopeful. I thought, oh, we'll, we'll be great by, you know, April. Uh, I, you know, obviously uh, it, that's not such a... It looks like we opened up way too early and even... 
when I was still at the radio station looking at, at what was going on in the spring, I was shocked at how broadly things opened up because the case count, and I've been saying we got to look at the hospital case and we got to look at the ICU numbers, they were not good. And they were not good when the announcements were made to re reopen. We were told we were going to get our haircuts on, what was it, April 12th. Like, the numbers were not going in the right direction. No. So, so today... So let's, just, let's do wine. All right. It's a wine podcast. So this is a wine podcast. We talked a little politics. So what... Uh, what some of our favorite podcasts have always been is opening up wines with people and playing Stump the Chomp or Stump the Stoop or whatever we are. Oh, we God, call it. you're doing this to me on my own, aren't you? Not necessarily. If you want to know, I can I can let you know, and we can just taste them as we go. Um, I, I, I know that uh, I've got a, a real mixed bag, and I, I guess you're going to have to, uh, you know, mark me for this. This is a real mixed bag of Man, that, that I've got going here, and I really, I, you know, I really do appreciate uh, these podcasts um, because I've recently started. I, I guess for seven months now, I've been doing a monthly Instagram live with um, Maroki Tong. I'm, I'm sure if you have Instagram and you work in the wine business, she has reached out to you because she's um, hungry to learn how things work in the wine business. Uh, but we started a monthly series called Seller It, and it's partly inspired by you, Michael. Uh, and partly inspired by these tastings is, um, you know, I'm trying to help her build a, a wine collection on a budget. So every month we pick a wine that's no more than, I think we've capped it at about $25. We're usually pretty good at finding something under that. And then we taste the wine live on Instagram and decide whether or not it is uh, sellerable. But that being said, I've learned a hell of a lot about A, you know, I'm still adamant about the fact that I'm not a huge fan of like really, really old wine. I mean, we're usually pretty good at finding some stuff in the sweet spot, but it is fun to uh, to see what comes out of your um, out of your cellar. Well, this really is Andre a, a mixed bag of, of dirt, uh, and I really do hope there's something in here that is decent. It looks like we've gone completely outside of Ontario here. Yeah. So uh, I know that we're because we are doing this, and we're going to um, uh, we are going to record two podcasts back to back. One is going to be uh, international. Okay. One's going to be Ontario. Okay. So uh, I figured that would be the best way to, to break them apart. So if you're a fan of uh, international wines, this is for you. If you're a fan of Ontario wines, which we know you all are, um, then uh, the next one that we do, or I don't know what order you're going to do them in. I don't know. <laughs> so, I sure we'll release them in the order that we're recording them. So this one will probably be out in, I guess, two weeks after today. So so here's the interesting thing. Okay, so you, we've got Bordeaux glasses. You mentioned, yeah, because they're all red wine, I decided mm -hmm. on. Um, and then and then we have, uh, when we get to the Ontario one, it's, it's specially designed. But this one is um, uh, basically because at some point in a podcast recently, you said... You had tried a Louis Bernard wine that you thought was absolutely fantastic. Oh, and, I, and I, 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 so I have an LCBO that just opened up a block away from my house, and they have a pretty decently stocked vintage section for, like, it's a tiny little kiosk store, and frankly, I didn't think, because I, I live close to Summerhill, uh, I didn't think that I'd be shopping at my local shop as often as I do, but um, every, uh, every, every few days now, I've been going... When I take a look at my bank account, make sure I can afford it. And I'm stocking up on this Louis, uh, Louis Bernard Syrah because it's just, it's just really good. So I, uh, I, when you mentioned it to me, I was like, I think I have some Louis Bernard in the cellar. And as it turns out, I got two. Okay. Uh, both from the same year. And obviously these were bought many, many years ago. Uh, you, I don't know what you can see. Of oh, that bottle. color's still red, but a little brown. 
Uh, so you can guess the year if you want. You know basically what Lou Bernard makes. So I don't know if you can see the age. On I, I did. I did see the year. I wish I. I wish I hadn't. But uh, this. So this is probably Grenache Syrah Mervedra. This is a Costier de Nîmes, 2003, Louis Bernard, Rhone Valley Vineyard. And uh, to tell you the truth, I think it's corked. Uh, I really. Mm, mm. So the sad part is, the moment I bought this wine, it was garbage. Um, and now, what are we looking at? 18 years later, it's even more garbage. So. Yep, it's corked. So into the bushes they go. It's the beauty of uh, being able to record outside. So that one was uh, was corked. That's not good. And uh, yeah, so 2003 Louis Bernard. That does not say that your bottle would be corked. Uh, it just means that that particular bottle. Uh, oh, was. so you spent ten dollars on this too. It is a cool thing about the, the Louis Bernard. Uh, as I said recently on Instagram as well, I still buy wines based on label. And when I saw it, it was a, it's a $16 Cote du Rhone Village. But it has, the thing I love about the Southern Rhone bottles is they often have like the embossing on it, whether it's usually a Chateau Neuf du Pape or something. Yep. I don't know, it's just, when you, when you do that presentation, there's just a nice feeling when you can put a bottle like that on a table, right? Like it feels expensive. It does, this it, one was only $10. Yeah. And also only 12.5% alcohol too. Which is weird for the Rhone Valley, but I mean, you know, where we're also talking about it from, from the, a time period like right now where we are used to, one, very uh, high alcohol wines, and two, because we have a lot more uh, effect of, of global warming, right? So, so um, I'm, I'm going to step away from the mic. Andre's going to talk about something for a second. All right, so here we are. We're opening the second bottle. Okay, Michael's being good enough and actually giving the uh, corked glass a rinse. Yeah, the um, so the the Louis Bernard that uh, is available right now is fifteen percent alcohol, uh, but it, it doesn't feel like it. So I don't know if you can hear me, Andre, but I Michael, I think this one's corked too. No, stop. No. <laughs> wow, Louis Bernard, you got a batch of bad cork. Because it's what two thousand four. Mm hmm. Also three. Oh, two thousand three. Um. Wait a second. I hate to say it may have been residual. It doesn't taste corked. It it's, doesn't it's taste got, very good. It's got a slight cork to it. It doesn't taste very good. I'll give it that. So does a $10 bottle of Louis Bernard age? Well, um, it's, you've aged it 20 years, 18 years, right? Yeah, so... Yeah, that was... That was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the second one is slightly corked as well. But I mean, they're both the they're both the same cork, so they definitely Probably come a, from the same batch. Probably from the same batch, same year. So there you have it. That's the Louis Bernard um, uh, Art of Passion. That's what it says here. Um, the Art of Passion of putting corked wine in bottle. Well, it wasn't corked when they when they obviously did it. Costier de Nîmes. Okay, part of the Rhone Valley. And sorry, so this second bottle is a different uh, a different wine from the same producer. Yeah. All right, so this one was a whole dollar more. You paid ten dollars and ninety five cents for this in two thousand six. Thirteen and a half percent alcohol. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. 
So I was, looking, I was looking forward to this. I was looking forward to it too because it's not very often that you taste one of the uh, of the earlier wines, and I suddenly am able to pull out an older one. <laughs> and you know, you know, it's been the it's been the nice things. I know we've spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about how much money Andre has been spending on wines, and it has been a little bit too much lately. So to go back and find some really affordable wines has been very nice. So uh, this next one is a little bit. Uh, is also an, an older bottle, and I, I pulled it from a, a different country altogether. I don't know if you if you saw it. I did not. I, I can <laughs> kind of see the label, but I don't recognize it. <laughs> You're having bad luck with those corks today. Yeah. As I find out, as they get older, they some of these cheap wines use really cheap cork, right? Yeah, so of course. That's, that's the problem with so many of my um, of my bottles that are of this of this caliber. Let's say. <laughs> um, and why I absolutely love screw cap. So right now I'm literally digging a trench through this cork because you can see how it's... Oh my God, just that's just disintegrating. So... Do you not have an also handy? Not handy. I was kind of hoping we could get away from... So this one's going to go in to the bottle. I've got half a cork. I'm going to use your glass, Andre. Because, Thank you. Uh, well, it needs to be rinsed anyways. I I just don't have anything to say while Michael's uh, dealing with that glass. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're going to get a little, some little corky bits, but okay. I, I did my best to try and get them out of there. Okay, this one doesn't smell corked, thank God. But it does smell like old old wine. It's pretty dried out. So, all right. So this is the... Um, you can actually say we're outside. My neighbors are actually out. So this is uh, from a winery called Etch etch chart uh, from Cafayette in Argentina. Uh, it is a Shiraz. Yes. Okay. Um, so. And I know I know no one can see it, but I had a visceral response to this when I put it in my mouth, and it wasn't good. There's um, there's a lot of weird leathery coffee, uh, burnt leaves. I mean, that's it. Is it? It smells and tastes burnt, and it's almost got like a dried out eucalyptus taste to it too. Um, I am not as offended, I think, as you, because I don't mind older wines. This is, um, now I haven't given you the year. You want to guess a year? This is, this is 20 years old. This has got to be like a, this has got to be, I'll go down to 2001. So this is a uh, 04. Okay. So that wasn't that far off. Uh, no. So we're looking at 17 years. Um, and also interesting that it's called Shiraz, because I think yeah, it, it seems like the, the trend is that most most places are now, everyone's switched to Syrah, except for Australia. Um, unless you're Australia, that is correct. So this was Shiraz. This was during the big heyday of, uh, of Shiraz, right? Like everybody wanted to put Shiraz on their label. And um, you know, Argentina was no, uh, no different, right? Ontario did it. Um, there are very few, thankfully, that, that, that are doing it anymore. Yeah. But uh, this was during the Shiraz heyday. This is not horrific. It's drinkable until you find something better. I don't know if I've got anything better. I'm just going to say that right now. And I patently disagree. I, th I think this is undrinkable. I've taken a, a couple sips. I'm really trying to give it a chance, and it's not even in a... I don't know. I think the, the burnt notes kind of overwhelm any, any dried fruit that you would get from this. So this is the Etch... Etchart uh, Shiraz Privado, 2004. 
Uh, and the interesting part is that right on the label, you can see they've put leaves, and as it changes color, you can see the green Shiraz leaf, and then they uh, they they move it through to vintage, which is pretty interesting. And that's probably the only interesting part about that, <laughs> and and about that wine. It's even interesting to see just like the sort of printing, the printing on the label. It's a, it's amazing just how uh, how far things have come in in twenty years in terms of quality of printing. So this Andre. I, I have been holding on to these three bottles. Okay. For I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing at this point. Because I am just interested in what in what is going on here. Okay. And I'll try. I'll, I, I don't. Yeah, I see all three are from the same winery. Yeah. So it's all the same winery. It's all three are different varieties, but they're all the same year. And I have to be honest, I do not remember. Where I bought these wines, it was not. <laughs> it was not Ontario, though. I don't think it was Ontario. I think I got these elsewhere. Um, but they're from a place or a winery called Morende, <coughs> which is uh, which is out of Chile. Okay. So, do you want to know the varietal? No. Let's. Uh, well, how old are they? That's what you want to know. Okay. Yeah, tell me. Tell me how old they are. Because I think it, I'll be honest. Just because I don't have a, a huge ton of experience with really old wines, uh, I'm not sure if I'd be able to necessarily pick the. Oh, I started the back. The back label already. Oh, did you see it? Yeah, I wasn't oh. looking. You, you, you tipped your hand. So here's a question I got for you, Michael. I know we, we've also mentioned before that you've got 2,000 bottles downstairs. Yeah. During the pandemic, have you put a dent in, uh, in I the ha- I, ha- I have. I've actually noticed that I have been putting a, a pretty good dent in uh, in those wines. And you know what, Andre? Is this cork coming apart? Uh, I think you, I think we might need to pause this and you go get the also. Yeah, that's right. All right, we're gonna put pause this and go get the proper equipment. All right. Not only did we bring the proper equipment, but that that was that was an ordeal. Uh, I'm feeling very very accomplished right now, though, because I used uh, the also and was able to remove a cork that you know it literally disintegrated in my hand the moment it came out of the bottle. I was pretty impressed with that, Andre. Like I, I did two of the corks and they and they were not uh, both broken half, both were in horrible shape. But so here we go. Uh, we know Chile. where we know where they're from. Uh, you know the grape variety, which I don't think we've told anybody yet, but this is um, this is a Merlot. And as I said, all three of these are from the same winery. And again, I'm not sure how I ended up with them. This smells okay, but it's got pyrazine. It's pretty green. Yeah. So back in this particular year, so I'm not going to well, not necessarily this particular year, but back in the early days of Chile, um, they they thought that they were picking Merlot, and actually they were also picking Carmenere at the same time. Ah, uh, okay. So, because um, they hadn't figured out that they, well, they figured out they had Carmenere, but they, they thought a lot of their Merlot was Carmenere. See, that's the thing is, because, um, you know, I, I rag on Ontario Merlot quite a bit, but it's because it's often underripe, and uh, Merlot doesn't doesn't work well with pyrazine the way Cabernet Franc or Carmenere does. Correct. So this one, this yeah, is this definitely one. this is definitely not Merlot. Well, it, it is. Well, it is Merlot. They say it's Merlot, but I mean, it's. Um, I it's, got, it's, it's it's full on red pepper jelly on the mm-hmm. mouth, but or on the nose. But in the mouth, it's uh, it's pleasant. It's nice and fruity. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit of juiciness. That's kind of fun. Like a lot of red pepper, a lot of um, a lot of bell pepper as well. Like a little bit of the green pepper on the nose, but tannin is so soft and smooth. I could drink this. That's yeah. I wouldn't be upset if I woke up with that next to me in the bed. Um. Well, it might, so I'll send it home with you and see what happens to it. But I mean, that's that's not a horrific uh, glass of wine in, in any way, shape, or form. 
Um, so that bodes well for the other ones, which are our later varietals. I guess I've got the microphone before I speak. It doesn't taste as old as the, um, the 2003s. I'm guessing this is uh, 2011. So 2011. Okay, so do you want to know? Because they're all three of the no, same. No, no, let's, uh, let's keep going and see if I, I change, my, change, my, change my mind. Okay, so then this is a Carmenere. Okay. Same vintage, same winery. This time they're claiming Carmenere. See, this smells almost spot on what the Merlot smelled like. Well, I, w I wish you hadn't told me the, told me this. Okay, maybe this is a little bit more tobacco leafy instead of... Um, there's instead of red pepper? There's definitely a difference here. Uh, you know, the first one is definitely full-on red pepper jelly, red pepper, green pepper on the nose, whereas the palate uh, was really smooth, really silky, really, uh, really interesting, and and drinkable. I haven't I haven't drank this one, although you've just tan made a tan and super soft. Uh, so the, the fruit and tobacco notes are playing really well together. It's got a bit of the pepper, but there on the a, mid palate, it's got violet. Like there, it, there's a little cedariness to the nose as well. So, you know, obviously some oak was used on these. I got a smile on my face. This is this is really nice, really nice expression. Uh, actually, that's not bad. You know, a lot of people poo-poo Carmenere. And, uh, you know, given given some age, I, I think it's... Um, I think it's one of those things, too, where I know Chile is, um, you know, Chile's trying to expand its identity beyond just Cabernet Sauvignon. And, and that's Merlot. Merlot was a big thing that they, they did. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm excited to see how Carmenere works as a blending component, as opposed to, you know, being being on its own as a variety. So I'm I'm I'll be honest, Andre. I'm I'm happy with that, and um, I think for our next podcast, I'll have to bring out some spittoons because I totally forgot them. Yeah. I realize. Yeah, I keep I keep getting up to dump because I have to I have to drive back to the city after this. So any is still going with the 2011? Yeah, I, okay. I think it's uh, really kind of 10 years old. Okay. So then this would be... That's got to be the Cab Sauve. This is the Cab Sauve. So, um, again, same year, same winery, uh, probably all the same price at this time. Yeah. So, and that's when... chocolatey. So I may have hit the sweet spot with these guys. Yeah, it's like, it's like a milk chocolate covered cherry is what it smells like. Actually, that really is nice. Wow. Wow. That's still some vibrancy in there. I'm still sticking. I think these are 2011s. This has got to be 10-year-old wine. The, the, the tannins are... Um, the tannin still exists in this wine, whereas the other two, they were pretty soft. These ones are... We've got a lot of wildlife back here. Yeah. Um, we got a blue jay family living back there. I know there's cardinals that run through. Uh, we have rabbits. I do love... I love that moment in the spring. And I, it's it's one of the silver linings at the beginning of the pandemic last year. We had nothing to do except go for walks. As I became acutely aware of the different birds in the neighborhood. And it's just... I love this time of year where the, the migratory birds come back. Yeah, it is nice to see the, the, the birds. and. Okay, so I, I have an idea. All three of these wines are very pleasant on their own. Well, they're they're very good. Uh, I think they're very, uh, you know. Can you give me, you see how much is in my glass right now? Yeah. Can you give me an equivalent splash of the Carmenere and the Merlot in it? I want to see what this tastes like put together. So this this would be, uh, as my buddy uh, Dave from Michigan would call it, a debotage, where he mixes <laughs> the wines at the end of an evening. I always found it, well, the first time he told me, I thought that was kind of funny that he had done that. 
And then, lo and behold, it actually ended up being one of the better wines of the night because we knew which each wine uh, brought to the table, right? So if he had opened an Amarone and he had opened a Syrah and he had opened uh, a Cab, we would say, well, you know what, let's get the fruitiness of the Cab, let's get the, 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 the backbone of the Amarone, and let's, well, how about and let's that? get that spiciness of the... I suggest you do the same as what I just did. It, uh, it really rounds it out. It's interesting, though, because the nose... The nose really has those savory notes pushed forward because it's tobacco leaf and, and red pepper. But on the palate, the floral note works in well with the fruity notes that we're getting. Um, the the tannin really kind of comes to life from the Cab Sauv. As you pointed out, the tannin's still being there, but still quite soft. Uh, yeah, I'm... I'm <laughs> yeah, I get the red pepper. The uh, really really comes through. and But, this, but it, yeah, it has softened for sure. How about that? But actually, that makes a complete glass of wine. That really does. So now you know why people blend. So I was like, is it like I think I, I I really I think Carmenere definitely has a place, and we need more of it. It's the the long lost Bordeaux variety. It'll be cool to see when. I, I'm I'm sure there, there's going to be some Carmenere working its way back to Bordeaux. Uh, I I would doubt it. I really don't know if they want to play with Carmenere anymore. <laughs> there's um, a reason why it was long lost. But, uh, I don't know, it's just fascinating to see what this grape will do as a blending component. Um, well, it's got, a, it's got a ripen, and chili obviously can, can ripen it well. So, Andre, you said 2011? Yes. Oh, yeah. We, I, I, you know what? The fact that these wines are all pleasant, I, I forgot to check what the vintage is. Okay. So, here we go. I'm going to pass you the bottle of Merlot. You're going to find the vintage and say it out loud. Uh, it is a 2002 uh, with 13% alcohol from the Maipo Valley. And... Oh, you don't have your price on this? No, no. Oh, this one says thirteen ninety five. The Carmenere. Uh, so I guess thirteen ninety five each bottle. Wow. Um, Are they all two? They're all two thousand two. They're all the same year. So they've held on very well. They've held held on longer than I, I would have expected, uh, and they are thirteen and a half percent every one of them except for the cab, which was thirteen. Even looking at the font choice on the bottle, it says Reserve Morande Terrarum. And it's got a little gold embossed globe and uh, a, a South America on it. Yep. And a grape leaf. It's just, it. the label looks very, very 2002. But the wines don't taste 2002. As you said, 11, no. you would have thought 10 years, and they're actually somewhere in the neighborhood of 19. I know for, so for next month's, um, next month's cellar tasting that I talked about earlier in the podcast, we're going to be tasting the current vintage of the... Um, uh, Montez Alpha Cabernet Sauvignon. And for that tasting, it's, it comes out of our pocket. It's just, I know that that wine's usually pretty good for a cellar. And South yeah. America and Chile are, are always a good place to, you know, if you're trying to build a collection on yeah, a budget. I, I, have, I, have some, I have some Montez Alpha and it's, um, and it's really good. It's a really good wine. Uh, and uh, the current vintage should be 18, which many are, are touting as one of the better vintages in Chile in a long time. So, uh, Although it was my impression when I was down in Chile that... A bad vintage is still pretty good, given how the the mountain ranges moderate the climate. They they do, and and you know what the interesting part is that I sat in on an Arazaris tasting uh, at the uh, well back in November, and the uh, the interesting part is that the 18s were tasting great, but the Don Maximiano uh, 17, which I believe you would taste it at some point as well. Yeah, we did that with the um, with the Galleon. the Galleon tasting. I was I was a little unimpressed with that wine, and because it's such a it is such a hot short vintage for chili, uh, and then they threw it in 72% new oak. 
Uh, I, 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 I'm still, look, I'd like to try the wine again in about five years, but at the moment I kind of reserve judgment because I did not see it going in. I did not see the fruit overtaking the wood that was sitting in there. I, I felt the wine was good when I tasted it, but it wasn't great. And I've tasted Don Maximiano a, a few times. I have And too. there's times I've tasted it where it's just been great. And like, as we've said before, I don't mind spending the money on a choice bottle for a special occasion no. or to, to go in the cellar. And I just didn't, don't feel the current vintage is... I don't think it's that up to, exciting up to for, up to for par, ninety bucks. It's it. just just a little bit overpriced at ninety. When you, when when I want ninety bucks, I you know, opening a cork bottle doesn't bother me as much as feeling ripped off when I open a bottle. You know, opening a cork bottle just just hurts my heart. Oh, Gr- granted, if for a ten dollar bottle, I'm not as I'm it's not part, as it's a part of life. It's a I'm part not of life. Hurt, but um, you know these these but the uh, Terrarum uh, wines actually over delivered. So out of six bottles, uh, three were good. Man, it was an adventure getting all those bottles open. I, okay, I guess um, we'll do the sign-off here. Um, Time to go, I guess. Patreon. Like I said, we have a few new, we have a few new uh, followers. We have a few new uh, patrons. We greatly appreciate the support. Um, you know, hosting costs, equipment costs. Um, we're working to make sure the show is better. So I have some new equipment on the way. But it's, um, it's not cheap. And no. we want to make sure things are, are, uh, are working. And uh, sound good, so we appreciate when you check us out. Patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. Uh, I'm at Andre Wine Review on all social media, and you can check andrewinereview.ca for whatever new is going on in Niagara. And I'm Michael Pingus from MichaelPingusWineReview.com. Uh, I'm so glad I, I I store these wines, Andre. I really I'm just <laughs> just thrilled. I'm the grape guy on a lot of social media of Michael Pingus Wine Review on some. And um, you know what, Andre? It's middle of the afternoon. It's five degrees. We're going into lockdown, but I still say good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This episode of Two Guys Talking Wine was produced by Jim Ray and Adam Duran.